Eve. Um, but again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, it is good to celebrate you all. Um, I love that I have a good mom. I talk about her often, right? You hear her in my sermons. She's a great sermon illustration. Um, and as I shared to open up worship, I love that God really does have a mother's heart, that it is in God to love on us, to comfort us, uh, to be gracious, to be uh, just full of affection for us. And so I don't know, maybe I'm a little more, because I had a mom who was very affectionate, maybe I'm a man that needs a little more affection than the rest of y'all manly men out there. But I love that God is affectionate and, and tells me often that he loves me. I need to hear it. Uh, it. If it goes too long without hearing those words from Jesus, I'm like, oh, things just aren't sitting well in my life. But once I hear the love of, the, love of God on my life, I'm like, oh, I, I've shared this several times. I'm going to say it again. You know, I remember the first time I ever gave a sermon. I think I was still the youth pastor, and I gave one of my first sermons here. And I just was shocked because I said, well, who here has ever heard God tell you he loves you? And I remember I said, raise your hand. And I remember it was just a handful of people. And I remember that's actually what broke my heart and actually made me want to be more of a pastor because I realized not everyone has the love relationship that I have with God, that he just loves on me all the time. Like, I really... When I'm fearful, I'm like, I just need his love because his perfect love casts out fear. Like his love is the answer for everything in my life. When I, I don't feel confident, he just loves on me. I'm like, okay, I can do this, right? Like, and so maybe it's because, I, again, I talk about my mom. She would always give me these affirmations, right? She would tell like, when I was not a very good reader in grade school, my mom would come up to me and say, Ryan, you're such a good reader, right? She would just tell me these things like, I am a good reader, right? And I'd start saying, I'm a good reader, even though I really wasn't. But I would say it, and because she said it, I began to think that way, and I began to believe that way, and I actually became a good reader, right? And so I love that. That's who God is. When I just don't feel like I'm very good at something, when I feel like, ugh, he just loves on me. And I, that's where I think for me, when I see people that have no hope, or they're discouraged or distraught, I'm like, oh, you just need a good mother's heart to love on you. And so my prayer, even though my message this morning is really not a very Mother's Day message, this is kind of my segue, I pray that all of you feel the mother heart of God today, that you feel that he just is in, he thinks about you all day long, um, that he doesn't worry, but he is thinking about you. He's thinking about, oh, I wonder when they're going to come visit me again. I wonder when they're going to do this, right? He's just on, you are on his mind all day long. And so just feel the love of God. Um, so this morning, I get to ask you a question. For those of you that were here last Sunday, did you do your homework? Pastor gave you some homework. We talked about, we've been talking about words for the last several weeks, the power of our words, words that don't belong in our mouths, words that do belong in our mouths. And um, I kind of gave you some homework of three things. So I won't necessarily call you out in case you're nervous and make you stand in front of everybody and sing a song. I won't make you do that. But who here attempted, I'm just going with attempted, you put forth effort to write a poetic song this last week. Did anyone besides me make, okay, good, there's some other hands in the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Made me feel good that someone listened to me, a poetic song. Um, I did not, was not successful in writing a poetic song, but what I found is in my devotional time, there was a lot more alliteration, there was a lot more things like, oh, I felt inspired to think about words that could relate to the same word that the same, you know, first same letter, and I was like, oh, that's good, like, that wasn't just me, that was the Holy Spirit helped me do that, so I realized there is something within me that's creative, um, but as I was praying on this last, this last week, I really felt like it was the word of the Lord, not just my own thoughts, that the Lord is willing and above willing, wanting to give us, there's a grace to give us new songs, 
And I mean that as we kind of spent time in worship this morning, Daniel and, and Nick kind of encouraged you, say something to the Lord on your own that you are inspired to write or speak out your own song. But I feel like there's also a gift or a grace on some of us in this church actually writing a song that could be sung by somebody else, not just by yourself. If you think about it, um, our founding pastor, Jack and Patty Stiles, they, their core of what they built this church on was music, ministry, and missions. Music is in the DNA of this church. And um, I don't know if you've been here long enough that uh, on communion, we sometimes still to this day sing a song that Patty wrote on her own, uh, that broken bread and poured out wine. And I love that. And I am believing that God wants to give that grace and gift that more songs are going to keep coming, that it wasn't just the past, it wasn't just Patty Styles. that it's here in the present, that some of you are going to start writing some songs. So if you would like that, start asking God. Start trying, put forth effort and do that. Um, I love that uh, I actually hear a testimony last Sunday. Someone was visiting our church. They grew up here. They hadn't been here in like 30 years. And he was remembering and reminding me that Pastor Styles would often during worship do what we kind of did today. He would say, just lift up your voices to the Lord. And, the, and the, everyone would back off the mics. And it was just congregation-led worship. And that as a boy, he was just remembering, oh, I've never found another church that quite did it like Osborne. And I just feel like, yes, there's something in our DNA that we are created, not just as individuals, but this church was created to have music, to have songs being sung. So I encourage you, don't let that just be a one Sunday homework thing. Allow this to keep going. I feel like we're supposed to keep singing these new songs to the Lord. Some of you get a little more bold in singing out, even during our worship times. Um, so that was homework for singing a poetic psalm. What about a crafting a purposeful prayer? Did any spend time writing out maybe 14 words of something down that you wrote down in your prayer rather than just thinking whatever came to your head, you actually wrote down a prayer? Good, good. I see some hands. Great. So like I shared that testimony in my life, it actually shaped my future. When I did that in college, it shaped who I am today by writing out a prayer that I prayed often and over and over again. And so I encourage you, keep doing that. Um, I, I, I kind of did some of that again. I remembered that and I started writing some new things down. So I was doing my own homework. Um, I love that we did this last Wednesday night was when we celebrated the National Day of Prayer. And we had several leaders come up here and they were prepared to share a prayer with us. And there was so much power. And it was one of the best... I'll say, uh, national prayer events I've ever been to. I've been to big churches. I've been to different things. But there was a healthy mix of people coming prepared, having spent time thinking about and writing down their prayers, and yet still being led by the Spirit in the moment, that God was breathing on it. And so it was really good. If you weren't here Wednesday, you missed out. It was good. Um, but there's something about that that just it bears witness with me, that I love that idea of preparing our prayers, not just shooting from the hip, but actually thinking deeply and crafting what we say. And so I encourage you, keep doing that. It wasn't just a one-week assignment. Um, keep going. Keep doing it. Keep growing and learning how to do that. Uh, the third one is, right, a prophetic phrase to declare. Did anybody come up with a prophetic phrase? You found scripture and you declared that this last week? All right, good. Some hands. Good. Thank you. Um, I did too. The Lord gave me a scripture. It's between him and I right now. Maybe someday I'll share with you. Uh, but I've been declaring that every single day. I had not been successful doing it every single morning, but almost every morning uh, when I wake up, before I get out of bed, as soon as I wake up, I try to declare that scripture that God gave me. I memorized it, and I was declaring it. Um, and it's beginning to shape and affect my thinking and how I think, uh, think about my life and think about myself. So I encourage you, keep think, these things up. Um, 
Yeah, really quick. I do want to just, um, this idea of declaring things. One of the things I've been declaring this last week, um, many of you have heard the good news that got, unfortunately got leaked from our Supreme Court, uh, that there are five of the nine justices that are ready to overturn Roe v. Wade. And that is good news. That's what we've been praying for as a church. Um, unfortunate that it was leaked, but I praise God that there are justices that are ready to overturn this. And I know that our battle's not over with. And so there's a lot of declarations and prayers that need to be crafted and keep praying. And so I just encourage you, keep doing that. Um, man, okay, I'm going to do this really quick. Let me see if I can find it. I got it somewhere in here. I loved, I was led to go back and read something that actually all of my kids have spent time memorizing. I don't think they can say the whole thing right now, but at one point in their life they memorized it. Um, it's something that Abraham Lincoln said. And he declared things. I'm not going to read to you the whole thing, but maybe some of you will recognize some of it. And I'm going to say the beginning and kind of the end here. It says this. But see if you can relate it to this idea of declaring things about Roe v. Wade, about abortion coming to an end in America. Let's see if you can make the connection. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty. I love that word, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men in the womb or outside are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war. We are. Testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. I'm skipping a whole bunch. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to that great task remaining before us. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Amen. There's something powerful about a man who crafted a declaration. And it still has power today, maybe as different subject, but it's the same idea. We are in a civil war, and it's time that our words declare things. That we declare, enemy, you've been found out. That you are under our feet. That I know the enemy had a purpose in leaking this information early and trying to deter things. There are even people, I heard headlines, that there are people that are trying to do protests against churches because the churches are pro-life. And I'm saying, you know what? I think it was a great thing that this got leaked on the same week as the National Day of Prayer and Mother's Day. Are you kidding me? That is the best time for that information to get leaked. That our whole nation was praying the same week. That we are celebrating moms today. We should be doing that. And so I love this declaration. This, this nation shall not perish from the earth. That we were conceived in liberty. And that we are engaged in a civil war. I, this whole message is not on abortion, but I just felt like I have to say something that I want you to be engaged, that we as a church, we've been praying every Monday night. It's not like we heard this news and now we stop. It's still like now we heard this news, now we are all the engaged all the more to make this be a done deal. So I just want to encourage you, be encouraged on this Mother's Day. There are going to be more and more moms and that moms are going to fight for life. No, I'm going to say it just because in this mode of declaration, I'm declaring that there are going to be moms on the Supreme Court bench that are going to turn from Saul's to Paul's. They're going to be moms that fight for life. Hmm. Wow. So, maybe I'll finally segue into the title of this morning's message. The title of this morning's message is, I'll Let My Words Be Few. We just sang that song this morning. And so we're still on this theme of our words. 
And there's this phrase we just sang, I'll let my words be few. Let me rattle off some scripture to you up front, and then we're going to take some time on the last one. But this idea of letting our words be few, Proverbs 10, 19 says this. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. In the message, it says it this way. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The more talk, the less truth. Are you measuring your words, right? I'll let my words be few. Proverbs 17, 27. A truly wise person uses few words. A truly wise person uses few words. The very next verse, Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. We've quoted this one in our household multiple times. <laughs> Even fools... To my kids, my kids maybe tell it to dad too, right? Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. Proverbs 29, 10. There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Not everything you think should be said. Not everything that comes in here should actually come out here. James 1.19, be quick to listen, but slow to speak. One more, e Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth. So let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. There's a whole lot crammed in that passage. It says, as you enter the house of God, so specifically even on Sunday mornings or really anytime you come into God's presence, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. If I'm honest, if I do an inventory in my life, how many times I've had a conversation with God, I was the first one talking. I was not quick to listen and slow to speak. I didn't enter into his presence with my mouth shut and my ears opened. More often than not, what it looks like for me to go spend time with God, I'm the one doing the talking. And yet scripture is saying, Ryan, let your words be few. This doesn't mean you can't let your request be made known to God. That's scripture. Let your request be made known to God. We should be praying and, and all the time, right? Pray without ceasing. So what do you mean? Should we let our words be few or should we pray without ceasing? Yes. I, I love the analogy, or not the analogy, the story, the testimony of that reporter. I forget it was a famous reporter, right, that interviewed Mother Teresa. Yeah. And he asked her, so Mother Teresa, um, what does it look like when you pray? What, what, what do you tell God? She says, oh, I don't tell God. I, I just listen. Oh, okay, okay. So when you spend time with God in prayer, what, what does God say? Oh, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. <laughs> and he left confused. He didn't understand what she was talking about. But it's one of those things that this mature woman of God actually got what prayer looks like. Pray without ceasing. It isn't me rattling off all my requests and telling God, do this for me, do this for me. This is how I want you to do it, God. Do it my way. It's actually, 
let me just come into God's presence with few words and just listen. What's on his heart? What does he want me to pray? What are his desires, right? I know we've been talking about this for the last several weeks, but I feel like God is, keeps bringing it back because we have not graduated yet. We still have to get this. We still have to learn this. We still have to apply it into our lives. Are we coming into his presence with few words, being quick to listen? I brought up the idea of abortion and Roe v. Wade because I'll just give you a testimony. When I, the first time I heard that news and I heard it was leaked, there was part of me that was excited that this is going to be overturned. But if I'm honest with you, what came into my heart more than the excitement was the fear that the enemy might be able to turn this back around, was fear for the justices that they might be attacked, that the enemy might be able to ruin this God thing. And I began to pray and tell God what he should do based off of fear. And in the midst of this prayer that I thought I was doing the right thing, I was interceding and praying for this situation, God finally said, Ryan, shut your mouth. Stop talking. You're praying from the wrong place. It's out of worry and anxiety that you're talking to me. I don't want to listen to that, Ryan. And that was healthy for me to hear my God tell me, I don't want to listen to you. Some of us need to hear that. I needed to hear that. God doesn't want to listen to our whining and complaining that we call prayer. He's saying, shh, be quiet. Listen, I know your heart is anxious. Just spend some time with me. Be settled in my presence. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Let me tell you what I'm saying about this. Now begin to pray the way I'm praying. Oh, that's right. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding day and night. We hear the story, we heard it during worship, that there are angels worshiping God 24-7. Let's not forget that there is Jesus, our Savior, who's praying and interceding 24-7. I think there's a lot of words that Jesus does say, but I think a lot of his intercession is not just telling his Father what he wants. He's listening. He's being in communion. There's fellowship. There's intimacy. He's modeling for us what prayer needs to look like. So I love this verse. Enter the house of God. Keep your ears open, your mouth shut. It's evil to make mindless offerings to God. It actually says it's evil. When God told me, Ryan, I don't want to listen to you. That's scripture. It's actually evil to have this mindless where I didn't stop and think and consider my words. I just was rattling off whatever I thought, whatever I felt. Scripture says that's actually evil. And I get it. He's a good God. There's a depth to my relationship with him. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I understood like a child. I spoke like a child. And he was a good mom or dad to listen to me and hear all my complaints. But as I'm growing up in the Lord, he's saying, Ryan, put away childish things. Don't talk like a little kid who just wants, wants, wants me, me, me. Can we actually be partners? Can we actually learn? Can you learn how to pray like I'm praying? And I feel like this is a maturity where God is trying to do this morning. Again, maybe not a very warm, encouraging Mother's Day message, but that's who God is. He's a good parent. He doesn't want to coddle us and keep us an infant all of our lives. He wants to mature us and grow us up. And so as a good mom on Mother's Day, he's given us a word to encourage us how to learn how to pray. Let your words be few. Hmm. 
Just because your words are few doesn't mean you only say them a few times. I'm going to say it again. Just because your words are few doesn't mean you only say them a few times. We quoted, without even knowing we were going to do that during worship, we quoted Revelations chapter 4, where those angels, it says, let me remind you, Revelations chapter 4, I think it's verse 8. Oh, no, where is it in my notes here? It's somewhere. But it just says night and day, day and night. Over and over again, on repeat, 24-7, they are saying the same few words over and over again. So let your words be few doesn't mean you only say them a few times. It's ongoing. <laughs> All right, really quick, side little tangent, I'll come right back. I know uh, worship songs we sing today in 2022 have a different flavor and different style than they did when I was a kid growing up. We sang an older song, I'll Let My Words Be Few. I think that came out when I was in high school, maybe. Um, it's an, so that's old, as my kids would say. That's like when dinosaurs were roaming, way back then when I was in high school, right? Um, so, but I love even back then, that's an old, to me, I'll consider it an older song. Some of you won't consider it an older song. Some of us, I've heard complaints, and I've actually been one of those complainers once or twice or more than, where some of the new songs repeat the same line over and over and over and over and over again. I'm like, okay, can we like move on from that phrase? Move on from that line. Like I'd like to sing something else, right? Let me remind you <laughs> that angels in heaven are saying the same 14 words on repeat in the presence of God. And God is not getting annoyed by their same 14 words. He's not annoyed. He actually enjoys it. He created them to do that, and that's his purpose. That's their whole purpose in life is to say those same 14 words, those few words, over and over again. So again, when I was complaining about, I don't like this worship song, God's like, Ryan, shut your mouth. <laughs> you probably have something to learn. It's not wrong to have the hymns. I love hymns. As my kids listen to hymns every night going to bed. I, I sing hymns, but there's nothing wrong with the new worship either. It's actually, if it bothers me one way or the other, then I probably have something to learn from it. That's what I've learned in my, my walk with God. When I'm not liking something, it tends to be God put that in my life. I know the enemy can steal, kill, destroy, but when I'm complaining to God, it's often that God's like, yeah, that's the very thing I'm using right now to shape you, to mold you, right? So this idea that just because words are few doesn't mean you only say them a few times. Hmm. All right. I told you last Sunday there's this book um, called Crafted Prayer that Graham Cook uh, has written, and I've read it a couple times, but because I quoted that, I went back this last week and I read the whole thing again. Um, and really quick, I'm trying to do this as fast as I can, but he shares a testimony or a story where he went to see a friend that was sick, that was likely going to die. And as he got to the home, he was out of state, so it took a while to get there. And as he got there, there was a prayer meeting happening inside this guy's home, and there was probably 25, 30 people at this house praying. And as he walked into the house, he just observed. And about 25, 30 people were all praying a different prayer. They came from different places. They had different thoughts, different anxieties, different desires, and they just were praying whatever came to their mind. And so he said, all right, I can't do that. 
And so he just kind of observed, and there was about five people amongst all of them that actually weren't talking out loud and weren't leading in prayer. They were just quiet and humbly just bowing. He said, you know what? And he went quietly and tapped those five. And he said, would you mind meeting me here tomorrow? And he left the prayer meeting. This pastor, he came to a prayer meeting and left early, didn't even pray with them, didn't even join them. And he came back the next day with those five that had few words. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to tell God what he should do about our friend. We're going to sit here and worship God until we find that his presence comes into this home. And so they just began to worship the Lord. And they, got the presence, they felt the presence of God. And he said, all right, now let's listen. Let's ask God if there's anything he is saying about this situation. So they all split up on their own. And they all just began to listen about this specific situation. And they came back and they said, all right, what did you hear? And he began to write down and record all the things he heard them say. And believe it or not, there was a lot of things that were doubled or tripled or multiplied. That Many people said the same thing. So he recorded those things. He said, okay, here's all the things that we find. There's unity amongst all of us praying and we're hearing the same thing. Let's go back with those words and let's pray again. What is God saying? Let's listen on those specific words. So they all split up. They did that again. They came back. It was getting crafted. They were spending time getting their words few. Not just all these prayers but let's make our words few. And they crafted a short prayer. And as they crafted this short prayer, they all were in agreement. Yes, that's the word of the Lord. And they began to pray that simple, I don't know, it didn't say in the story if it was a one sentence, two sentence prayer. They just began to pray that prayer. And he says, it was amazing. That's all they said was that one sentence or two sentences. That's all they prayed for hours. And as they prayed it over and over again, faith filled the room. Nobody wanted to leave. They were so excited about what God was saying. Like, can't we stay here? And it's like, no, it's past midnight. We got to go home. And they just began to gather and pray that for months, they only prayed that one crafted prayer. They didn't pray anything else, just the crafted prayer. And the whole atmosphere shifted. Everything changed. And yes, miraculously, that man was saved, full health. I'm giving that testimony because there's something powerful about few words. There's something powerful when we don't just shoot from the hip or just run our mouths. When we let our words be few. Hmm. Last week I mentioned Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus didn't pray for a long time and out loud say, God, if it's your will, have Lazarus come forth. And he didn't know. He spent time, as I said, groaning. He spent time hearing from the Father. And there was just this communion and fellowship and listening. And he goes, oh, my Father wants to resurrect Lazarus. So all he said was, Lazarus, come forth. A three-word prayer. And resurrection life flooded the atmosphere. And I began to think about that. How many times in Scripture, I didn't write it down. I probably should have done this. How many times did Jesus just say a simple few words and it changed everything? He showed up and met his disciples for the first time. Hey, throw your nets on the other side. Changed everything. Then he said, follow me. Two words, follow me. Changed their entire lives. Got on that boat again with them a year later. Storm came. They woke Jesus up. What did he say? Peace be still. Everything changed. How many times did Jesus pray and it was this short little prayer? But it had so much power. Small words, big change. 
I'm wondering if God is saying the same thing to us today. If we learned to make our words few, there could be a big change in our lives. Not just going to God like he's Santa Claus telling him all the things we want, but learning to get the heart of the Father on a subject, on a matter. Like I said, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but my prayers radically changed over abortion this last week. Started off with anxiety and fear and just kind of rebuking the enemy and doing those things to this confidence where it wasn't trying to rebuke the enemy. It was this state of confidence. No, this is the word of the Lord. This is how it's going to be. Hmm. Small phrase, big change. All right, I'll do this one. This, uh, this week, and it's Mother's Day, and I got lots of things pouring into this message, but this week also is Jen and I's anniversary, our 19-year anniversary. Um, we've been married for 19 years on the 10th, on Tuesday. And so we're going to take the day off. She's taking the day off. We're going to go celebrate and have fun. Um, but there's something different if me just telling you that, I have a great wife. She's the best wife in the room, right? I'm God's favorite. Gave me the best one. Um, I can just say lots of words, right? That uh, I'm attracted to her. She's beautiful. But really, she's good to me. That she's a good mom, right? I can start writing down all these things on a card of how much I love her. And is that wrong to do? That's a good thing to do, to tell her, right? Sometimes people are um, different love languages, right? Words of affirmation. So it is good to think about and declare publicly that I love my wife. Oh, I'm so thankful, right? It's, I'm so thankful that as infatuated as I was with her over 19 years ago, I love her. There's a depth to our relationship now, right? It's not just puppy love. It's like, oh, we've lived life. We've weathered storms. That when something comes up, uh, uh, she says something negative, I say something negative, there's grace. It's like it doesn't become this big ordeal. It's like, oh, we, we, there's just love that's going there, and I love that. And I think you in the room would sense that I love my wife. I just talked about her. But I'm going to do something a little different. She would not approve. But I'm going to have her come forward. <laughs> she doesn't like this. She doesn't like anyone looking at her. She doesn't like PDA, public displays of affection, doesn't like all those things. But you tell me if there's a difference. It was good and appropriate that I honored my wife, that we're going to celebrate our Mother's Day, that's a good thing. You would say, I love her. I think you would all agree, I love my wife. Amen. But see if there's a difference. <laughs> I love you so much. I don't know if you could feel it, but I could feel a difference. I could feel a difference from me just publicly saying, I like this woman, to actually looking her in the face and expressing deep in my heart what I really feel about her. This scripture from Ecclesiastes, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open, your mouth shut. It's evil to make mindless offerings to God. 
I wonder how many times you and I are guilty of just saying, oh, I, I really like my God. He's a really good God. When all he really wants is you just to look him in the face and let your words be few. Some of you, I'm just, you struggle with your devotion life. Well, I don't read the Bible enough and I'm not sure where to read and I don't know what devotion to read and I've tried this and I failed and I tried this and it didn't work and I tried this and I didn't feel God's presence. I tried and I failed and I failed. Can I tell you, it's not the amount of scripture you read. It's not the right devotional book. It's not saying all the right prayers and having the long list of all the things to pray for. It's actually just getting your heart and your mind quiet and still and just saying those three words, Jesus, I love you. And just being still in his presence. Then when I do that, and then I spend time in his word, it's so different because I have to, because I'm a pastor and I better be reading my Bible. I've done that. I've actually spent time with that attitude, that mindset. It's so different. When I let my words be few, I just let him know how I really think about him. I wonder if it wasn't just our words that were few, but I wonder if you stopped listening to all the words the world has to say about you, and you just got the few words that your God says about you. And you began to hear how he talks about you in heaven. I know he says a lot, but maybe just starting off with those few words, letting God, let that sink in, that God loves you. I won't give you the whole thing I told you, but one of the things I've been declaring, you are my son. I've been reminding myself that is what God says over me. I just want to say it, not just when I wake up, but all day long. It's a lot longer than that, but that phrase right there, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Meaning today I, I purposed in all the hit timeline of history for you to be alive today. And today is going to be the greatest day of your life. And I just allow him to speak those over my life. It changes the way I look at life. And I wonder how many of us, if we just let God's words be few and not let all the words of the world tell us what we should think, what we should dress like, what we should think about ourselves. Hmm. A couple weeks ago, I challenged us on a negativity fast. Meaning, think before you speak, right? Don't just let negative things come out of your mouth. And a lot of you joined in on that. That's great. I wonder, I gave you homework last week. Can I give you homework again, maybe? What if we went on a declaration feast? Not a negativity fast, but a declaration feast. What if we feasted ourselves with declarations? We began to tell God who he is even when we don't feel it or think it. God, I don't feel your presence. I don't feel your goodness. But we sing this song anyways. You are good. You are good. You're perfect in all your ways. We declare it even in the face of not feeling it. I wonder if that would change our attitude change our day. I wonder if we begin to declare what God says about us over ourselves. Faith comes by hearing. Whose voice do you hear more than any other voice? Probably your own. What if you begin to hear your own voice declare what God says about you? 
You can't control what someone else says about you. You can control what you say about you. What if we went on a feast? I'm just saying practically, I mean, just, just imagine, what would it look like if you declared a hundred times in one day one simple phrase? I say it, doesn't have to be your phrase. And I know it gets people tripped up, but I have no problem with it because God told me, I'm his favorite. You can say the same thing, you're his favorite. But when I tell myself that, I'm God's favorite. When I just declare that over my life, it changes all that insecurity. I, I, I don't know why I say it so often, because it's something I'm still shedding in my life. I wish I could say I've arrived, I've declared it enough that I never feel insecure. But the reality is, as your pastor for nine years, I still feel insecure. So I have to still declare over myself, I'm God's favorite. I don't feel like it in this moment. I don't feel qualified. And I hear the voice of the accuser, the brethren, but I'm going to declare what God says about me. I'm God's favorite. His favor is all over my life. I don't earn it or deserve it. He's just so good to me. I just declare it over and over again, and it lets the lies, the enemy, they just fall off their power, their grip. It just weakens. What if? What if you just began to declare? I'm just telling you, what if you did it for a month? Every day declared that a hundred times. I'm telling you, you would live a different life. Your life would look different. So as the worship team comes on up, we got to close this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? We're going to close with a worship song like we often always do. But I'd love for you not just to sing the lyrics. We're going to have some people over here. They're stuck. They have to lead. They have to sing some lyrics. You don't have to. I'm going to challenge you to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Before you leave this room, can I have you in this moment of worship as we close service? Listen to what God is saying. What is it that he wants you to declare about him? There's things I declare about him that aren't as powerful because they're just what I'm thinking. But when he tells me what I should be declaring, there's power in it. Some of us need to leave here having declared who God is, but on top of that, declaring who God says you are. So if you wouldn't mind just closing, closing your eyes, bowing your heads. Holy Spirit, as we close in a worship song we want our words to be few we want to apply your word what you're saying here today God I, I came in one way God I'm telling you I want to leave different I want to be changed I want to be conformed to your image Jesus and I read the scriptures when you spoke something things changed people's lives were transformed hearing about angels repeating the same thing over and over again. God, would you teach me how to make my words few? Help me to listen. Give me a hearing ear. God, you were pleased when Solomon prayed that simple prayer. Soften my heart and give me ears to hear. I know you, voice. God, you are my shepherd. I know your voice. And yet I want to know it in new ways. 
I want to know the whisper. I want to know the stern correction. But I want to know the gentle affection, God. I can't truly live without your affections, without you actually doting on me and telling me why you love me, even though I don't deserve it. So Holy Spirit, would you love on and minister to us today? And Holy Spirit, would you empower us to declare with authority that it would change worlds. It would change perspectives. It would bring miracles. Thank you, Lord, that my words have power. I choose life. I choose to speak life. I choose to be pregnant with life. That everywhere I go, I am pregnant and I carry the goodness of God. So as this song is sung, we let our words be few. Jesus, we are so in love with you.